John chapter 6, verse 16 onwards. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake of Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. I'll read again. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were headed. I'm going to stop right here as the Spirit of the Lord wants me to. We only saw a few verses here, verse 16, verse 17, verse 18, 19, 20, 21. Within these few verses, one, two, three, four, five, about six verses. Within these six verses, we have a lot that God can give to us. But there are a few things the Spirit of God wants to impart into your spirit so that you can live by it. God said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So the word that comes from God nourishes our bodies, it nourishes our souls, it nourishes our spirits. So the word that God gives to us every time we come together, if we pay attention and receive it from God the way it is given, then it is bound to give you peace in your body, peace in your soul, peace in your spirit, health in your body, health in your spirit, and health in your soul, that your body your spirit, your soul will be in perfect harmony with the spirit of God. God is speaking to our hearts today. You can be a person who is malnourished. You know, if you look at uh, some people's body, certain organs are sick. They're not functioning right because that part of the body is not getting the nutrients that the rest of the body is getting. Some believers are like that. In the body of Jesus Christ, there are some believers who have sickness, spiritual sickness, sickness of the soul. Because of that, what happens is they don't get the nutrition, the nutrients that come from heaven. It is for them. It is supposed to go in. What is the problem here? If you know that you're sick and you don't get yourself treated, then you're going to suffer. If you know that that organ is not well, it is not getting the the nutrients that the rest of the body is getting, then you must take care of that organ. Otherwise, the organ will be amputated. If you don't amputate it, the rest of the body can also be destroyed, eventually death. So, one part that is infected medically, if one part is infected, you don't take care of that infection, it'll eventually kill the entire person. The whole person 
can be taken away. The whole body can get infected and it can kill a person. If you don't take care of the infection, if you just let it be infected, the infection will only become worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. If you feed the infection, that means whatever is causing that infection to live, you feed that, then that infection is actually going to thrive and it's going to get faster. It's going to get worse. And in no time, it'll eat up the rest of the body. The infection may be only a tiny bit. It may only be in a small part of the body. The rest of the body is really well. But if you feed the infection that is there in the tiny part of the body, what will happen is even though 99% of the body is whole, this 1% will eat up the rest of the body. God is speaking to our today. Take care of your soul. Take care of the area that is sick. Don't say that it's not a big thing. It's only a small thing, not a big thing. Always know that the small thing that you leave today and and not attend to today will be the thing that you will regret for the rest of your life. God is speaking at this hour. Take care of that which you need to take care of today. If not, it will become a big problem for you. It will completely eat up the rest of you. The rest of the you. So when the evening time came, his disciples went down to the lake. There was this program. What program was it? Heaven's program. Jesus always followed heaven's program. Jesus Christ worked when the father worked, when the father said, today, A, B, and C needs to get done. Father said, today, A, B, C, D, E, F needs to get done. All those will get done. Jesus calendar. So on that day, the schedule that Jesus had, according to heaven, according to God the Father, was to go to Capernaum. Capernaum was a place, and they were going to go to that place. Now the disciples were all ready, and they all came. Jesus wasn't there. He's their leader, and he's not there. Jesus came later on. He wasn't there. So the disciples said, okay, he didn't come, let's go. So it's understood here that they, the disciples, they were with Jesus most of the times, but there are times when Jesus will have them go and he'll say, I'll come after that. So there were times they traveled together and there are times that the disciples went ahead and Jesus came after or Jesus was ministering and the disciples went and did something and came back like we see in the story of the Samaritan woman. So verse 16 says, the disciples came down to the lake. They said, we're going to go. They went down to the lake. They said, we're going to take this boat and we're going to go to Capernaum. They got into the boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. It was late. It was dark. And Jesus did not join them. Jesus, according to the eyes of the people, he said, what is this? The leader is supposed to go with him. The leader is late. The disciples are going ahead. The leader is late. But the disciples had the understanding that if the leader is not coming, that means he's not coming. He's going to come later. When he comes, miracles will happen. We go ahead of that. We need to do what we have to do. And they are going. We see something happening here. While they were on God's schedule, while they were exactly on time with God's schedule, and they were doing the right thing. The disciples were going ahead of Jesus because they were told by Jesus to go, and Jesus was going to join them in that place. 
something happened. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. All of a sudden, while the disciples were going, something happened in the atmosphere. Something happened to that lake itself. Something happened to the people who were going on behalf of Jesus to do God's work. Always remember, God is not the only one who has his hand over the weather, the enemy too. So this storm, this problem that came to the disciples while the disciples were going was not from God. The enemy said, oh, you're going to go and Jesus is not here. You're going to do his work because he told you to go. You're doing it. I'm going to see what I can do because he knew that these people, the group of people that Jesus is training, these are the very people who are going to turn the world upside down later. Let me do something to them now. Problems come. Problems come from time to time for some. Problems come often for others. Regardless of whether it is occasional or it is often, we have to know one thing. What is the source of it? Is it because of your disobedience or is it because you're doing the will of God? If you're doing the will of God and if something happens, then you can always count on God coming on the scene. He'll be right there. He'll be right there. He'll be right there. And you see here, it was dark. It was a stormy um, um, place at that moment where the disciples were in the boat and not a nice place to be in, in the middle of the waters where you know if the boat goes upside down, that's it for them. But as they went because they were obedient to the call of God, they were obedient to the voice of God, heaven stood by them to protect them. This is a prophecy God is giving to us at this hour. If we do that which God tells us to do. If a storm is allowed by God in our lives, something goes wrong in the process of going to do God's work. God will show up for you. God will show up for you. God will show up for you. It was dark. Jesus didn't come. They had to go by themselves. But his word was enough. Is his word enough for you? If he tells you to do something, even if you feel that he is not there, even if you feel that you're alone in that boat, is this word enough for you? He told me, so I'm going. Is that enough for you? It should be. It was enough for them. They knew. He told us to do this. We're going to go do this. He will show up. He will show up. If Jesus said, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be in that place. I will be at Capernaum. You go. I'll be at Capernaum. If he gives a word, he is capable of fulfilling it. Even if he delays. He never delays. According to our calculations, it may look like he's delaying. It's getting dark. And Jesus, where are you? Jesus, where are you? We have a meeting here at six o'clock and it's eight o'clock. Jesus, where are you? 
Jesus is on time all the time. Not according to your time, but according to his time. Now we see this was a process. God is strengthening the faith of these disciples. He's strengthening the faith of these disciples. There's a miracle that is happening here. The disciples are already witnessing many things. And the Bible says, Jesus took the disciples with him and he went to this place called Cana where this marriage was there and Jesus was invited. Jesus and his disciples were there. His mother was there, Mary. And all of a sudden, there was a shortage there. The wine was gone and the people needed it. And it's a a must-to-have kind of thing in a wedding ceremony. It was missing. But Jesus, though, he did many miracles before that. Always remember, that was the first public miracle that Jesus did. He did many things before. Many things he did at home. Many miracles he did. And that's how Mary had that faith that, oh, this is not there. You can do something about it. Jesus did many, many miracles before that. But when he chose his disciples and he brought them, his goal was to strengthen their faith. God does miracles because he loves us. God does miracles for us because he wants to help us. God does miracles for us because he wants to, he wants us to feel his love. God does miracles for us because he wants us to believe in him. Faith is a very important component in the lives of believers. You will not be a believer if faith is taken away from you. Faith, this word, is going to make you into who you are. Just like For a human body, the skeletal system, the skeletal system is very important. Without that skeletal system, there's no human body. It'll just be a a mass of flesh, tissue, water, and blood. But it's the skeletal, skeletal system that gives the frame and makes a person a person to stand and to have that entire structure itself. The entire skeletal system, it includes the face, the hands, the legs, the entire body. Faith is the spiritual skeletal system for every human being. If you take faith out of your life, at that point, there's nothing left. So, it is important to understand, when God does miracles for you, it's because he loves you. Because he loves you, he wants you to believe in him. Because he loves you, he wants to impart faith into you. What kind of faith? What kind of faith that God, that God wants to impart into you? What is the meaning of the word impart? Impart is to really put inside of you something that you don't have, but someone else has. That means I have something that you don't have, and I'm giving that to you, but putting it inside of you. That means it goes inside. What you don't have goes inside of you. You want it and it goes inside of you. You can't have it on your own, but it's given to you. This is the beauty of my Lord Jesus Christ. He is faith himself. He is love himself. He is strength himself. He is power himself. 
He is joy himself. He is peace himself. He is everything. Now, with what he is, he says, I'll give a piece of me to you. What a beautiful thing. Faith comes from God, who is faith himself. So he says, I will give you my faith. He doesn't say that I'll give you someone else's faith. No, I will give you my faith. Faith comes from God himself. So in order for us to receive that faith, there has to be a vehicle. There has to be a vehicle. Just like how when someone gives something to you, you get it by your hands and the person gives it to you by their hands, from their hands to your hands, from their hands to your hands and your hands receive from their hands and it becomes yours when you keep it. When God wants to impart faith into a person, It'll always go with the consent of the person. God will never say, oh, I want you to have faith. So there you go and throw it on you now. God will give faith to those who want faith in him. I must have the desire for that. The Bible says, he who is thirsty, oh, he who is thirsty, let him come to me. And the person who comes to him, he gives them rivers of water. God gives him that water. He says, I'm going to give you water. Oh, if you're hungry, come to me. I'll give you bread. And he gives that living bread to that person. God is speaking to a heart today. To the measure with which you ask, it shall be given to you. The measure with which you seek, you shall find. The measure with which you knock, the door shall be opened to you. The measure. So the measure is very important. To what extent do you go after God to get what you don't have? To what extent will you run after God or are you willing to run after God to get from him what you don't have? That which you don't have. God is speaking to our hearts today. It is important. God wants you to have his faith. His faith is the faith that overcomes everything that is against you. That means when something is thrown at you, you'll be like a rock because he is the rock. So those who are attached to him, they also become a part of that rock. So whatever falls on those people, whatever dashes against those people, the very thing that comes against them will disintegrate and fall. But they will remain. This is what Jesus said so beautifully about a man who builds his house upon the rock. The rain came, the storm came, the the flood came and the water beat against the rock, against the house. All those things happened. The winds blew, but the house was not moved at all. Nothing happened. Jesus didn't say, well, the window fell, but the roof stayed. The roof flew away, but the foundation stayed. No, the entire structure stayed, but not a dent to that house because it was built on that rock. The house also becomes solid like the rock, in short. If you link up with Jesus or link yourself with Jesus, then you will become like Jesus, strong like Jesus. No one wants to be a weak person. You know, yeah, many people are mentally weak. Many people are emotionally weak. You know why people get angry? Because they're weak. That's the truth. When a person is emotionally volatile, when a person is emotionally weak, there you see outbursts of anger. You know how people get so fearful because they're emotionally weak. When a person is not emotionally strong, they give in to fear. When a person is emotionally weak, they give in to anger. You know why people lie? When they're emotionally weak, 
That means what's going to happen to me? Again, it's part of fear. Lie. And then you have people who are proud. They're emotionally weak because they can't be humble. Because humility is strength. Pride is weakness. So when people are weak on the inside, they are like the house that just comes crumbling down. When a little wind just blows on that house, all of a sudden you hear cling, 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 cling. Windows fall. One more time, wind blows. All of a sudden, all the ceiling comes off. One more time, the wind blows. All of a sudden, the door flies out. Some people are like that. Yet they say, oh, don't you tell me that my house is not standing. See, I'm still standing. Oh, no, 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 no. If your roof is off, no one can live there. If your windows are gone, no one can live there. All the rainwater will come inside. If the ceiling is gone, the windows are gone. Oh, the door is gone. Oh, no, 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 no. You can't live there. A house is a house as long as it has proper roof and proper windows and proper doors. And, and it's in a livable condition. God is speaking to us today. God wants to impart his faith into you. In order for him to impart his faith into you, you must want it. Now you look at the disciples. Jesus did something special for them. That they got to witness. Not the rest of the people there. These disciples were handpicked by Jesus and the disciples picked Jesus. See, it goes both ways. Jesus chose the 12 disciples. He prayed all night and he chose the 12 disciples. Do you know the 12 disciples who became his disciples? They all answered his call and they said, yes, Lord. If they would have not said, someone else would have replaced. They would have filled in their place. They would have replaced them. But these 12 disciples became his disciples because the call came and they responded to the call of God. That means Jesus said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The disciples said, we want to become fishers of men. We are coming. Because they had the desire, Jesus was able to impart his faith into them. Whose faith? His faith. That's what God wants to do for you. So the reason why you are here is... God has called you. And the reason why you're here is because you have responded to the call of God. That's why God wants to impart his faith into you. So in order for God to impart his faith into you, he does something. The Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. How do you just hear the word of God? You can just play an audio Bible. You can just play an audio Bible. There are a lot of people who play audio Bible and they are in hell. The Old Testament period and even people during the lifetime of Jesus, you had the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and they all had the Old Testament scrolls in their hands, the book of Isaiah and, and many of the books they had, but they actually worked against Jesus Christ. They didn't have God's faith. What's the difference here? It's not just that we possess a Bible or we hear an audio Bible. No. It's the word becoming alive into us that the spirit of God takes that word and he breathes it upon us. That's when it really does something to us. It is important for us to know that. Heaven has to make contact with our earthen vessels. If that doesn't happen, whatever is on paper will stay right there. You can have a scroll and you can be a scribe even writing the word of God. 
and be someone who's against God himself. What a bad place to be in. For them to say, I know God. I know from Genesis to whatever. How many other books they had. I know all of it. But you know what? They missed the star. Oh, I know all of it. Oh, they missed this Messiah. You know what happened to Jesus when he was growing up? He was 12 years old and he was at the temple. He was talking with such authority. He was a child, but he was full of the power of God, used by God as a child. Powerful vessel of God. The scribes and all the people were there thinking, where did he get this wisdom from? They always wonder because they did not have faith from God. When the faith from God is missing, the important ingredient that is necessary in order to connect with the spiritual realm or the spirit of God will be missing. When the faith from God is there, it will cause us to connect with the heavenly realm, the realm of God. At that time, you'll know that this is God. How did that Samaritan woman and how did the people in that village say that now we know that you are the Messiah? That's a deep revelation. How did they get it? When the rest of the people kept hearing Jesus day after day after day and they were still against him. They all heard. Did they all believe? No. So you can hear the same thing. You can read the same thing. But unless the deposit is made from heaven, you won't have that which you need to have, which is necessary to make you into another person. What is the another person? Now, the other person is the citizen of heaven. To transform you into the other person, to make you into the citizen of heaven. You can't enter in with the same old, same old stuff and the same old, same old personality, the same old, same old thinking, the same old, same old lifestyle. Doesn't work that way. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. If any woman is in Christ, she is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. How many things? How many things? The people say, oh, don't tell me that. 30 years I've been this way. Oh, don't tell me that. 60 years I've been this way. Well, you're an old creation then. You're not a new creation. If you're a new creation, all things from the old is gone. And everything from the new has come. The question is, what kind of a partnership do you have with heaven? If you have 100% of partnership with heaven, and you have the desire and you say, like just like these 12 disciples say, follow, follow, I will follow Jesus. You call me, I come after you. Wherever you go, I go. That's what following Jesus is. Following Jesus is not like when Jesus calls and he says, come, follow me. I'll make you first. Oh, yes, I will come. And today I come and tomorrow I'll say, Jesus, I have work to do. Jesus, I have family to take care of. Jesus, I have this to do and that to do. And you know what Jesus told the man who said, oh, I have the funeral to attend to. And Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. You come follow me. Oh, family. He said, let the dead bury the dead. You come follow me. He gave him the test. You think Jesus would have just said, oh, no, no, don't, don't go for funeral. No. He was the one who actually touched the dead body of that person. The woman's son. The widow of Nain. He raised that man up. It's so important. When people choose Jesus, he brings life. 
But if people choose death and say, no, 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 Jesus, I don't want life. I'll go after the dead body because this is important. There's more important than you. Jesus says, stay, stay. Because you first said you're coming and now you said this is important. Stay. God is speaking to our hearts. It's very important for us to be clear-headed, clear-minded, and that clarity will only come when the deposit from heaven is made into our spirits. So what did Jesus do? In order for these disciples to have his faith, which disciples? The disciples who chose Jesus to follow him wherever he went. So the disciples came with Jesus to the wedding of Cana. If the disciples would have said, Jesus, well, you go to that wedding, we're not coming. We'll come back some other time. When you go over there, you know, by that seaside again, and you do some teaching, we'll come and sit there. And if you need our boats, we will give you our boats. By the way, do we have any work to do over here? If you have any work for us to do, then we will come. Because this is just a wedding. You go, I will go and do something. We have important things to do. You know how many people are like that? If I have some work for me to do in the church, then I will come to church. Don't come. We must come to the presence of God because we want him. If he wants you to do something, it's a privilege. That shouldn't be the reason why we're coming to the house of God. If that's the reason, our motive is wrong. God will not count that. Know this. If Jesus said, follow me, we just follow him. If he says, go untie the donkey, we do that. We don't say, if I have to untie the donkey of any work like that, then I will come. Other times I'll go do something else. No. Following Jesus is, you just go wherever he tells you to go. You go with him when he says, come with me. If he says, go ahead of me, then you go ahead of him. What he tells you to do, that's what you do. And to such people, he will impart his faith. This is why the disciples received faith from Jesus Christ. So faith comes by hearing, and this hearing is not, like I said, just playing an audio Bible or just sitting and monotonously reading, you know, some scripture verses or having, you know, some verse of the day and just looking at it and going to work. That's not going to give you faith. That'll make you a weak Christian, which equals not a follower of Jesus Christ, which equals an unbeliever, which equals not a Christian. So. You look at the disciples. The disciples did what Jesus told them to do. Because of that, there was this investment from heaven that took place into them. Because God said, you're worthy of investing. You won't squander what I give you. It's important. So many people were invited to the wedding. A lot of people were there. But that miracle of turning the water into wine was done for one reason. Only one reason. It was for the disciples to believe in him. Jesus did his first public miracle. So that the faith of the disciples would go from one level to the other. They had faith in him first when they saw him. When he called them to come, follow him. They had faith in him. That's where they came. And Jesus said, I'm going to take you from where you are. You put your faith to work. I'm going to take you from where you are. I'm going to take you to a whole different level. Come. And he took them with him to the wedding. And there he imparted his faith. And how did he do that? He did something in front of them. And they just believed in him. Because they saw this miracle right in front of 
their eyes. Why will God do a miracle for you? Because he loves you. Because he wants to invest his faith into you. Every time you receive a miracle, every time you come here and you receive a miracle, but the many miracles you've received before, we know it's because he loves you and he wants your faith to grow. How will it grow? He has to pour into you. Every time he makes a deposit, your account increases. And when he makes a deposit, you're able to do more with what he has given. So that greater level of faith, greater level of faith, greater level of faith is very important. He has to keep making more deposits. In order for that to happen, we need to have this encounter with God all the time. If the disciples wouldn't have been with Jesus in this miracle over there, would not have happened. They wouldn't have even seen this or somebody else would have seen this who would have taken their place. All kinds of things would have happened. Jesus' ministry would have continued, but these disciples would have lost everything. God is speaking to our hearts today. What God wants to do in your life, what God wants to do in your life, make sure you become a partaker of it by partnering with God. By saying, Lord, I will do what you tell me to do. When you say, come follow me, I will follow you. When you say, go before me, go ahead of me, I will do that. But he has to say it. If he says, go ahead of you when the storm comes and you feel like you are going to drown, you know, he will come and he will rescue you. You're never going to be by yourself. But if you go ahead of him because you say, Lord, you're taking too long, I'm going to go. Then it'll become like Saul, who became hasty. And he said, Samuel is not coming. Who's Samuel? Samuel is his next door neighbor. Is Samuel is his little younger brother. Or is Samuel someone who is in his army underneath him? Samuel was the prophet of God who was over King Saul, who served God only. He was God's prophet, way above there, and the king himself. When the prophet delayed coming, it was a test for Saul. Saul thought he could actually go ahead of Samuel and do some things because you know what? Samuel. Samuel is late again. My God, I can't believe this. All the people are getting like frustrated and I have to deal with all these things. And look, Samuel is coming late again. Guess who lost the position? Saul. Without God telling anything, you go ahead and do something. Always know that that move itself is a demonic move. It's like move people to get agitated. See, when God is in something, no matter what happens, no delay happens, whatever, no matter what delay happens or no delay happens, whatever it is, there'll be this peace of God that is there constantly in the midst of everything. You know that God has his hand over everything. But when the move is from the devil, it'll actually be hasty. It'll be frustrated. It'll get irritated. You know, all these behaviors, these agitations and all these kind of irritable behavior, angry, all those things, they are signs of the move of the devil in a person's life. But if God is working, you see the fruit of the spirit. If Satan is working, you see the fruit of Satan. Works the flesh, very easy. Impatience is the work of Satan. When a person allows Satan to work in their lives, they become impatient. Anger is 
Satan's quality. When a person lets Satan work in their lives, you see outbursts of anger. So these qualities that you see is not of God. So when God is involved in the life of a person and they do that which God tells them to do, then you see this kind of a result. What is this? Just let's look at the scripture portion one more time. Verse 16, when evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum to do God's work. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. Jesus was not there late. And they understood that if Jesus is not coming, that's what we should do. This is the order that has been given. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. Now Satan says, let me do what I can do best to ruin the plan of God here. Because Jesus' disciples have gone ahead. That means they're preparing before Jesus can come. Something is happening. I got to go and destroy this. And he sent the strong wind and the waters were acting up and everything looked like these guys were not going to make it. When they had rowed about three or four months, they're rowing and rowing and rowing, and somehow they're struggling three or four miles. They saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. This is a boisterous situation where the winds and the waves are acting up, and they're struggling and they're rowing, trying to somehow go. Something is happening. In the middle of it, just about three or four miles, it's not like they reached the shore, no. In the Middle of the sea, somewhere, they're seeing Jesus walking on the water. And they didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus was not somebody who daily walked on water and got into their boats. No. This is something that they never saw before. They're seeing Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. They got scared. This, what is this? And we're facing this. And now what is this? You know, when you know more about ghosts than God, this is the result. There are a lot of people who know much about the world, very little about God. And they will talk a lot as if they know a lot about God. But the fruit will show. When problems come, how you react and how you handle will actually show how much you know of God. God is speaking to a heart today. It's very important to be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to wrath. These disciples, when they saw this form coming on the water, they didn't think that, oh, this could be Jesus. Immediately, their thing is, what is this? It's probably a ghost or what? They got scared. Instead of saying, oh, this could be Jesus. Thank God he's coming to save us. No, they got so scared. But there's another place. Jesus is doing something to impart into them. Every time he does a miracle, there's a deposit that is taking place to raise them from where they are to where they need to go. That means more of formation that is taking place. The nature is changing. In this frightening situation, Jesus comes there. He's approaching the boat, walking on the water, He's going to go with them. And he's now telling them, it is I, don't be afraid. After that, they said, thank God, it is Jesus. And they said, come to the boat, Lord. Until then, they were very scared. Be familiar 
with the works of God. You know, a lot of times people fall into the traps of the enemy because they don't know the word. A lot of times when God is moving, people think the devil is moving. You know, when I was in school, there was this teacher who did not believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So what you would do is when students receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and when they spoke in tongues, should call the students and tell them, what you're speaking is from the devil. You shouldn't be speaking this. Now, these are Hindu converts, girls who come from Hindu background. God brought through me. They got saved. And these have received the Holy Spirit and they're speaking in tongues. She'll call one by one and tell them, you need to stop doing this, stop doing this. Now, this happened in my absence. I didn't have, I was at that time, I think, 15, 15 years old. And I didn't have the gift of um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I spoke in tongues. I had the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I didn't have the gift of imparting that into people. That's a gift that God gives to some people who serve him. At that time, I didn't have. But there was a, a man of God who had that gift. So I used to take my school girls to him. And he used to lay hands on them and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's how. So this happened in my school days in 10th grade. She called students individually and she would tell them, don't speak in tongues. If you speak in tongues, you are speaking devil's language. This is not from God because she believed that this all ceased, stopped a long time ago. That ceased during the book of Acts and it's over. She comes from that kind of a denomination. When I heard that, I was very grieved because these are students who genuinely are following God and who are speaking in tongues and praying. And this is what is giving them strength because when they go home, they get persecuted for their faith. They get beat up by their parents. And they need this to keep them going. This is the power of God. This is God himself. So I began praying. I said, Lord, cause this teacher to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I passionately prayed every single night. That was my prayer. Lord, cause this teacher to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God answered my prayer. God baptized in the Holy Spirit. I think maybe a couple of years after that. And she completely changed. The point here is. When a false spirit leads a person. It will lead a person. Opposite to. What God is doing. That means when God is doing something. That false spirit will say. Oh this is not of God. This is of Satan. Be careful. Very super spiritual thinking. But it's the angel of light. Spirit, Satan himself transforming himself into an angel of light, a dark spirit, which looks like it's white and spiritual. It says, oh, that's not God's work. It can't happen. You know why that happens? Because people don't know the word of God. They don't know the Bible. They don't know the scriptures. When they don't know the scriptures, Lucifer will speak to them. Because you need to spend time in God's word to know the voice of the good shepherd. If you don't, then Satan will speak. Very important. So. These people 
didn't expect Jesus to walk on the water. They were so familiar that ghosts can do these things, but not God. Jesus showed them that God can do that, even in the form of man. That's the power of God. This just heightened their faith. There was an impartation that took place. This is who our God is. God wants to do something in your life. God wants to impart his faith, the God kind of faith into you. Not something that man says, oh, I'll give it to you by my teaching. And no, this is God kind of faith that comes through the anointing of God. When the true word of God that carries the anointing of God comes from heaven, from the mouth of God, through the mouth of his servants, into the ears of his people. A miracle takes place. A healing takes place. The word of God comes and all of a sudden your spiritual eyes are open. All of a sudden there's a conviction that is happening. The spirit of God comes and all of a sudden you're weeping in the presence of God. All of a sudden you feel this joy that's uncontainable. All of a sudden this pain is gone. And all of a sudden all kinds of things God is doing. Why is he doing that? Why is he doing that? Why? Because he wants to increase your faith. He wants you to believe in him. For too long you've been believing the enemy. You know, more of the false than of the truth. A lot of people don't even know all the things that God did from the Old Testament to the New Testament. If you ask them, they know 1% and that 1% makes them feel like I know everything. Sad, very sad. This is why Satan is able to slaughter many, many Christians. That's why they come running to false teachers and they run away from the truth. They run towards error. They run away from the truth. That God says he wants to bless you. He wants to give you his faith, the God kind of faith. And he wants to do a miracle for you. But are you like the disciples who say, Lord, I will follow you. And I'm coming here like a one-timer who says, do a miracle for me. I will take that and I'll run away because I need it, you know, to make myself look good and to make myself to live well and I don't have pain and I do my own thing. Jesus is not going to feed a person's bad behavior. That's like somebody who comes and says, give me $100 today, tomorrow. I won't even look at your face because I just need you for your money. Don't come to Jesus for that. And don't act like that. But if you're coming to God, say, Lord, I want to be like the disciples who said, you're calling me, Lord, I'm coming. There's a vision. Jesus had a vision for the disciples. The vision was, I'm going to make you into fishes of men. That means it's a big call. He said, I'm going to make you into something big. You're just a little businessman here. Catching fish and selling fish. That's your trade. But I'm going to make you into the super apostles. The first apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, that's the call. And he's calling them with that call. They said, will come. When he said, I'll make you fishers of men, they caught that vision. They said, we're coming. We want to be fishers of men. Have you caught the vision of God? Have you caught the plan of God? God is calling you today. He says, I want to do something big in you. I want to do something big for you. I want to do something big through you. This is my vision for you. Have you caught that vision? Is your response like the disciples of Jesus to such people? God will impart his faith and he will do miracles for them right in front of their eyes so that their faith can grow. 
so that they can become everything that they are called to become, to become the super apostles. Jesus did a miracle for these people, right in front of the eyes, the people who are so used to hearing about ghosts and, oh, if this is happening, then that could be a ghost, because it happens. God showed that, even in the form of a human being. It is bigger than the ghosts. It's not the spirit beings. This is God as man has power over the waters. He said, I have power over gravity. I have power over water. I have power over the winds. I have power over the waves. I have power over everything, period. And he showed his power to his disciples. What do you think that would have done to their faith? What do you think would have happened to them? How do you think they would have gone to that? Healing service that Jesus had for the people of Capernaum. It would have been very different. Very different. The miracle here, let's read 21. Besides Jesus walking on water. Then when they were willing to take him into the boat and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were headed. How can that happen? That was a miracle. They're only a few miles into the See, and this kind of thing is happening here. And Jesus came to the boat. That's first miracle. So the second miracle is they didn't even have to row the rest of the miles that were there. Immediately, the boat went straight to the shore. All of a sudden, time, distance dissolved. Just like how gravity dissolved before Jesus. Time and distance Dissolved in front of the disciples, in front of Jesus Christ. All of a sudden, they went to the shore. It's not like all of a sudden, their boat took off and they flew and all of a sudden they were dropped, bam, on the end of the shore. No. They didn't even realize that all of a sudden, they were on the shore. Time and distance were dissolved. God is speaking to our hearts today. As we are going to come to a close at this point is the spirit of the lord wants me to stop here jesus not only did a miracle they're walking on the water but he also showed another miracle to whom to the disciples who are willing to go ahead of him when he told them go when the enemy came and attacked him attacked them he came there and he did two big miracles that caused their faith to go up. In the midst of the troubled waters, Jesus comes not just to rescue us, but to impart his faith into us. Every time he comes and does something, when the enemy comes to attack us, when we're doing the will of God, know that there's this faith from God that is imparted into us. By his miracle working power that is made manifest right in the midst of the troubling situation. Not one, two. This is the same God who wants to do the very same thing in your situation, wherever you may be facing today. God says, make sure. You're like the disciples. Make sure you're like the disciples. 
who are committed to following Jesus. Not like some who say, Lord, I'll follow you and then said, well, I need to do this and well, I need to do that. I'll finish that and come. Jesus said, oh, well, goodbye. Stay where you are. But to the disciples who said, Lord, I'll follow you. Like the prophet Elisha did. He just left everything, made sure he settled everything immediately. He said, oxen, go. Whatever I use for that plow, go. I'm following the high call. Never looked back. We want to be people who never look back. We want to be people who follow Jesus all the way through. And for such people, God will impart impart his faith, God's faith into them. And that faith will cause them to become these mighty vessels of God like this, these super apostles who turned the world upside down. They received faith from Jesus, faith from Jesus, faith from Jesus, faith from Jesus every single time. Every time Jesus said something, it happened, their faith shot up. Every time God says something, whether it's a monthly prophecy or a weekly prophecy or a personal prophecy when you pray or whatever it is, when you see it come to pass, you need to know that this is because God loves you and he wants to impart his faith into you. And as he does that miracle, there's an impartation that happens along with the miracle, which is your faith goes up. May God help you to understand the value of faith in God, the value of pursuing the big picture that God has, knowing that he who has called you is faithful and he will perform that which concerns you. When you submit yourself fully to him and wholeheartedly pursue him, be the wise virgin who went that extra mile to make sure that she had everything that she needed so that when the bridegroom came, when the call came, the door was wide open for her. As God is speaking to our hearts today, I want you to meditate up with meditate these few verses, few verses, six verses, all through this week. And say, Lord, I want to be like these guys. If I'm told to go, I go. If I'm told to stay, I stay. I just simply want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm told to do something, I do something. And I will see that which you promised to do in my life. When I'm on the king's business, the enemy comes and attacks me. I know the king will come and show up. Not in an ordinary way, but in a miraculous way. Not the usual way, but the unusual, extraordinary way where his faith will be imparted to me again and again and again. So every time we face any opposition from the enemy, you know what happens? Faith gets higher and higher, gets stronger and stronger and thicker and thicker and thicker. That means our wall of difference becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. 
it becomes almost impossible for the enemy to enter into that city at that point. That's what God wants to do with your life. He wants to make you impenetrable. God wants to make you into someone that the weapons of the enemy will not be able to go through. But that can only happen if God himself surrounds you with his faith. That faith can be built up, added more and more and more and more and more. When you do that which God calls you to do. Whatever may happen while you're on the king's business, the king says, I myself will show up for you. Shall we pray? Father, thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for the word that you've given, Lord. Thank you for your presence that is here. Lord, your word is so alive. Your word is so rich. Your word is so powerful. Lord, we need your word. And I thank you for giving us this word today. Thank you, Lord. Upon this rock, I'll build my church, you said. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray may every single person here may have their lives built upon this rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that they may experience, each one may experience you in a way they've never experienced you before. I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you'll touch them right now. From the top of their heads to the bottom of their feet, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. May the hand of the living God touch them right now in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Every ailment from the body, I command it to depart right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hallelujah. Whatever pain your people may be going through, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I come against the spirit of pain, chronic pain, chronic pain. In the name of Jesus, I command chronic pain to leave right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Chronic back pain, leave in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Chronic calf pain, leave in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Oh, Lord God Almighty, I commit your people into your hands in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Every lack of desire for the things of God, I command it to leave right now in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, every desire towards unhealthy, spiritually unhealthy things, I curse those desires in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, let the healing virtue of the Lord Jesus Christ flow right now in Jesus' name. Every spirit of confusion, I command you to leave right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Let the peace of God enter into the hearts, minds, and bodies of your people. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Lift up your people, Father, right now. Lift them up, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lift them up, Lord, wherever they are. Lift them up, Father. Lord, your people need to be lifted. And is this, this is your heart's desire. This is why you're here. This is your heart's desire. I see your heart, oh, Father. Longing to lift them up and out of where they are. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Every spirit of discouragement, leave in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Oh, Lord, do a mighty work, mighty work, mighty work, mighty work, mighty work, mighty work in the name of Jesus. And every single one, Father. Oh, Lord, may each one become 
worthy vessels of honor. That you may perform miracles in front of their eyes so that their faith can grow. And all the miracles that you have performed in front of their eyes. May they never lose sight of it in Jesus' name. So that the enemy may not rob that faith that you have deposited into them, Father. Bless you people. And thank you for the promise that you've given to us, Lord. While we are on the king's business. While we are on the king's business. While we are on the king's business. When the enemy comes and attacks us. You will come and show yourself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal towards you. Hallelujah. You will come and show your power. Hallelujah. So that more of your faith can be deposited through that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I bless you people in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. With the blessing that you alone can bless them with. That they may grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In this new week, O oh Lord, may they grow stronger in you. Lord, I pray that you fill your people with smiles, Lord. As a result of the obedient walk with you. Thank you, Lord. I pray that you bless your people with peace as they celebrate Thanksgiving. May they never forget the great sacrifice of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The great work of salvation that you graciously purchased and given to them, Father, freely given to them. May each one who's received this great gift become your disciples will also share that which you've given to them. Those around them, that there may be a divine multiplication taking place, Father. With this blessing, I bless them with. Let there be no one weak in faith. Let there be no one with wrong priorities. Let there be no one hearing Satan thinking that it's God. May each one become familiar with the spirit of God, with the word of God, with the ways of God. That they may not fall into the hands of the enemy. With this blessing, I bless them with as a servant standing in the presence of God. Before the throne of God, according to the power and authority given to me by the almighty God. I impart these blessings upon your people. I thank you for doing this. In Jesus' most precious name, I pray. Amen. Amen.